Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and soon Jenny Froome, uh, right here on Supply Chain Now to get ready for a wonderful live stream. Yeah. And in fact, you know, Greg, we're going to break some records here. We're going to uh, we're going to do two swooshes because we've got a very special co-host of this session. So let's go ahead and bring on Jenny Froome with Sapix. Jenny, good afternoon. Hey, Jenny. Hi, everyone. I like being schmooshed, as Laura called it earlier this week. <laughs> yes, right. Right. Uh, well, so so neat that, that, to have you back with us. We've always enjoyed our in front of the camera conversations and our behind the camera conversations. You name it, uh, our, our we enjoy tweeting and sharing gardening pictures. You name it. So, Jenny, you are a colorful character, and we're great to have you here back for another episode of our uh, supply chain leadership across Africa series. So, great to have you, Jenny. Jenny, I don't know if you know this. It is a holiday here in the states. It is National Yay. Supply Chain Day, inaugurated last year, April 29th, by Mary-Kate Love from Georgia Pacific and Point A. Uh, it is officially, it's an officially recognized day by the U.S. National Archives. How about that? Man. That's amazing. Well, We're yeah. going to have to adopt that here, I think. we got to yeah. hurry because we've got a parade later. So <laughs> well, we, we love public holidays here. We just had one on Tuesday, which meant Monday was one as well. So we could definitely do with one on the 29th, too. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, in, in true 2020 fashion during that live stream, April 29th, 2020, we lost internet connectivity. Uh, halfway through the national supply chain live stream. So if that wasn't a bearer of, of more bad things to come in 2020. So um, I think, I think we, uh, I think we turned that into a discussion around resiliency and agility kind of tied it right back into supply chain. Mary Kate was on the show with us then. So I wouldn't know. I got cut. <laughs> it was great, Scott. As far as you know, we did great. All right. So today though, Today, again, the topic is supply chain leadership across Africa. We have a wonderful yeah. guest. We're very thankful to be conducting this series with our dear friends at SAPIX, which are doing great things in South Africa and beyond from a supply chain, networking, business leadership standpoint. So be sure to check them out, Jenny and, and her gang at SAPIX, S-A-P-I-C-S dot org. Okay, so right, we're, we're going to bring out our guest here in a minute. Uh, after we say hello to a few folks, which will come after we uh, share a couple of program notes here. So, Greg, you ready? Right. Let's get to work. So, yes. today, the main channel, we dropped the replay of the Supply Chain Buzz, which is powered by our friends at OpenText. And, Greg, we had Laura Ciceri with us on Monday, and she was dynamite, right? Dynamite is a key word because she blew up Blue Yonder and their new deal with Panasonic. So, if you have any questions about her feelings on that deal, you need to tune in, tune in to this because uh, I think she nailed it, uh, first of all. And as always, right, nothing yes. but truth bombs from from Laura. So, And we talked about some other topics as well. And, of course, um, 
how not to buy supply chain planning technology and you know some of the things that she's doing. It is so great having her on, a real live influencer before they were even called influencers, <laughs> right? No kidding. When she, when she tackles a topic, uh, the globe, global industry does certainly listen. And so well, check I hope it out. they do. <laughs> and eventually, I hope we all act. Because that's one of the other things we talk about is she has been talking about so many things for so long uh, that we just need to we need to get off the dime and and start doing. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so get your popcorn ready because Laura and Greg may have had an opinion or two around that Blue Yonder Panasonic deal. Uh, now, who is this guy? So also this week, we published the latest episode in Tequila Sunrise, a, really a classic episode, one that's been well received. And it's Greg talking about stuff that he knows uh, very well. So Greg, in, in a 30 second or less clip, what, what are folks hearing about via this episode? So many investors and founders and observers want to get into or know about supply chain tech. So I just spilled the beans on supply chain tech, how tough the industry is, how complex, uh, and some of the realities of if you want to start a tech company of what your life will be like. And, and this is just the start of a short series. So after this, I'm going to tell people how to pitch their company in three minutes. It's a 17 minute video, Scott, that tells people how to pitch their, their company in three minutes. So mu much like Benjamin Franklin, if I had had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. <laughs> awesome. So check that out wherever you get your podcast from Tequila Sunrise, T-E-C-H, Tequila Sunrise. No, uh, wink, Greg. Right. You, you, you discipline arrogant. <laughs> See what we did there. All right. So finally, one last programming note, I promise. Uh, so great episode teed up today. So stay tuned for a wonderful conversation. And tomorrow, we're continuing our reverse logistics series with our friends, Tony Shiroda, who is also one of Jenny's friends uh, via the Reverse Logistics Association. I think Tony and Jenny got some collaboration up their sleeves, perhaps. But uh -oh. hey, reverse logistics and returns. Is a um, it's only going to grow in importance, especially as of course e-commerce continues to grow and grow and grow. Okay, so folks, I am so excited, Jenny and Greg, about our guest today. Let's say hello to a few folks uh, in the uh, what uh, either Jamin or Greg or someone deemed as the cheap seats. No offense meant. It's just where, where we get to observe these things, right? Uh, Peter Bole is back with us once again. Peter, hope this finds you well. Look forward to reconnecting soon. Aaron Smetak. So Aaron has a new role, and I cannot remember the company you uh, joined, Aaron, but congratulations. Hope wow. you hit it out of the park. That's right. I'm sure she will. Do uh, tell, Aaron. Yes, Aaron, drop it in the comments. Tell us tell us what you're up to now. Shannon is with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Of course, Amanda and Clay and Allie are all behind the scenes helping us uh, make it, uh, today's live stream happen. Kavon is with us back. The the, the good doctor, Uh Chris Barnes is a spot chain doctor, but Kavan is one as well, soon to be. Uh, so great to have you here. Daria Patel. So Daria, hope this finds you well. Look forward to releasing a conversation with you. Uh, I believe next week we're dropping that episode. So Daria doing some great things in, uh, in India before he moves to Atlanta, which is coming up soon. Uh, let's see here. Montadar via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Thanks so much for joining our dear friend Gary Smith up in New York. Jenny, he's a big fan of yours, I know. Great I do see hope you. the snow is gone for good from upstate New York, right? Amen. Uh, Carolyn, uh, I think I said that right. If I didn't, let me know. Uh, is tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. T-Squared, who holds down the fort for us on YouTube. I bet he's going to talk about nourishment and goodness here momentarily. But uh, <laughs> welcome. Friday good Friday Eve. Eve. Love it. 
Okay, so I know we couldn't get to everybody. Please get your voices and your perspective ready. You're going to want to weigh in on this conversation here today. I want to welcome in our special guests. So uh, Jenny and Greg, uh, by the way, I know I'm, I didn't want to dominate all the hellos. Uh, before I introduce our guest, any any additional shout outs y'all want to give? Well, Shannon acknowledged the day, so I think we ought to say hi to her, right? Yep, absolutely. National Supply Chain Day. Yes. Right? Gave us a woot woot also. <laughs> uh, MK Love, who is soon moving to Wichita, I believe. We're She's already there, her. Scott. Okay. She does not mess around. <laughs> she, the true logistics professional. She's there. She's bought a house. I gave her some restaurant tips for Wichita yesterday. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I think we'll, we'll hear more from her shortly. Awesome. Awesome. You know who, uh, she is working with uh, Coke Disruptive Technologies now. And that's so, K-O-C-H, right? K-O-C-H, yes. Gotcha. Um, and Jenny, before we welcome in our, our guest, any, anyone y'all you want to uh, shout out to? Oh, just everyone. And I'm really excited for you all to meet the next guest. And I really like the idea of Friday Eve. Yes. <laughs> yes, Friday Eve. Is, let's just call it that from now on. I love that idea. Yep. That's right. All right. So let's welcome in our featured guest. So our featured guest here today has more than two de- two decades of industry experience throughout West, East, and Central Africa. After earning her undergrad, get this, in biochemistry. So so many pay, pay grades above me. Our guest has gone on to work with big names such as Cadbury, Pfizer, and now Kimberly-Clark, where she serves as supply chain director for Nigeria. She's wow. earned advanced degrees and tons of exceptional recognition for the work she's been doing, including mentorship, which she is very passionate about. We hope to hear more about that. So let's welcome in Azuka Ego Chuku Alue. Hey, good afternoon, Azuka. How are you? Fine, thank you. That was nice. <laughs> Isn't hey. that fun? I think people yeah, show up is. just for the swoosh, Azuka. Agreed. It's the simple things in life, right? Um, well, Azuka, we really enjoyed the pre-show conversation. It's such an honor to meet you. Uh, your ears have been burning quite a bit. We've 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 talked a lot about you with with you not in the room, based on all the great things you're doing and, and your thought leadership. So, it's a, really a pleasure to have you here and sharing your your point of view with our uh, global community. So, uh, let's dive yeah. right in. So sure. up front, before we get to the heavy lifting, as it were, let's let's get to know Azuka a little bit better. So tell us, you know, where did you grow up? And you got to give us a couple of stories about okay. your upbringing. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Greg, for having me. Thank you, Jenny, for making this happen. Um, so my name is Azuka Ego Chukwelewe. Everyone calls me Azuka, so Azuka is fine. I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, well, in different parts of Nigeria, so northeastern, western Nigeria, yeah, around Nigeria. I have I live in Lagos. I worked in um, um, sub-Saharan Africa. It's a lot of places. <laughs> so I've been around Africa a lot. I am um, I'm a biochemist by training. I'm a supply chain professional by passion. <laughs> I think that I, I tell people that supply chain is my job, and I think it's my hobby too, you know, <laughs> amongst other things. I empathize with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I must be solving problems. If I'm not solving problems, I'm not very happy. <laughs> I like moving things, you know, making things happen. So I'm mm. passionate about supply chain, continuous improvement, um, Leadership for change and, of course, gender yep. inclusion. I believe that we should uh, leave people and places better than mm. we met them by adding value. And for me, it's all about mm. value. I, if you bring value to the table, then um, you have um, you'll be welcome every time. 
I am very energetic. I've been described as kinetic. Somebody called me kinetic Azuka. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love it. Well, hey, it, so let me ask you a question really quick because uh, I love you're already talking problem solving, value, having a seat at yeah. the table, having a big table, and welcoming everybody. And we love that. We're going to talk more about that. But growing up, you know, we love talking food around here, right? We, food's one of our favorite topics. So tell us about one one dish that was part of your childhood that that is just it wouldn't be your childhood without it share that with us okay <laughs> um there are a couple of them but you, you see that there's something called um plantain oh you know yes. plantain, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> now in this part of the world is made in different ways so on a saturday morning um it's uh it, it could be fried and you have it with um, some sort of cereal so here we call it pop um the different it's made of um yeah. corn now on a weekday evening it's made um as a, as a pottage very interesting you know with all sorts of things and really nice so it's um, and it, it, then it's fried dry and crispy like um snacks and you can eat it um wherever on the go so for me plantain is staple i saw something a few days ago somebody uh, on social media saying you actually don't like plantain and you come out and say it you, you're really saying it. <laughs> I could relate. So it's uh, for me was it made the week whenever there was planning. Well, um, so there's a lot of uh, fans already uh, of the Zuka fan club, and mm -hmm. I think Gary Skinner and Gary Hope this finds you well. Love that kinetic Azuka, I think, as it were. Uh, love that nickname. So one last question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn over to Greg here. Um, so do you, uh, I know you have four children, so gosh, you're always on the go, I bet. Do you do some of the cooking or do you let them do it? Hmm, interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> so um, the 14-year-old and the 12-year-old, they cook. One day I realized that they were growing. Uh, one was already 10 and the other was about, um, um, yeah, she was eight, seven going on eight. And I said to my hobby, these girls have to start cooking. So they will cook and whatever they serve, you eat. So the first few times we ate very salty egg, very salty, and we kept the straight face through it, you know. But and then burnt pancakes, actually burnt pancakes, hard burnt pancakes. I think they forgot the eggs or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but now you know the beauty of it is that um, they cook. You know they cook. They make pasta. They make very nice pancakes now, and you know it, it makes my life easier. I'm going to be honest. I mean, working mom, you need the support systems. Yeah. So when you have daughters that cook you know you you know you have a life because they take care of their younger ones they take care of my hobby when he, i'm not around and i have to be pushing so many things they keep me on my toes um so and i think that's why people say i'm kinetic because i have a bias for action with four children you have to be on your toes somebody's flying this way and all of that so they give me balance yeah and um i'm grateful that's a beautiful that. thing beautiful thing all right so we're going to dive more into the story i want to share a couple of comments and then uh pass the baton here so gary smith says when your vocation and your avocation coincide magic happens that is very well said uh gary mm -hmm. now i gotta go look up and see what avocation means but <laughs> well said gary uh grace says problem solving and adding value are a must for career and life completely yeah. agree there okay so greg where are we going next well, I have to I have to repeat this quote because we always talk about t-shirtisms, right? Bring value to the table and you'll always be welcome. I mean, that is so that's so poignant, right? Um also teaching your I think I think it's really good and honest of you to say you teach your kids 
as much to serve yourself as to serve them. In the end, it makes them better, more well-rounded people. That there's no harm in the fact that they contribute to your well-being as well. So um, I love that. I, I come from a farm state, Azuka, and the, most of the reason we had kids, they had kids, was to run the farm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were workhorses just like the mules were. <laughs> but, you know, you... you uh, we've done a little bit of research on you, and you've shared some thoughts on one of Simon Sinek's quotes that integrity is when our intentions are consistent with our words and actions. So obviously, that, that's you. You clearly reflect that. So tell us a little bit about what is so important or motivating or foundational for you in that quote. I, I think for me, it's really about walking the talk, you know, um, credibility, consistency, um, when I talk to a lot of people, we know the problems of Africa. We know the problems of Nigeria. We know the right things to do. But the question is, are we doing it? It's interesting how um, I'm in the country and somebody drives and throws a bottle, a plastic bottle out of the window. Nigerians don't do it in London or in the States. The moment they get off the plane, they comply. It's about the waiting lines as well. It, there's something about waiting lines in Africa. People are impatient to wait and actually West Africa. There's <laughs> a couple of places I go to. But um, outside of here, people wait patiently. So I, I think it's really about knowing the writing and then when it's time to do it, when you're, when, you, when, you, when you're at that space where you need to do the writing, actually doing it. So your thought, your speech, and your action must be consistent. And you see, um, we're in a place where um, there's some gap to structure and processes. We're not there yet. And the only way we can really make Africa great is to be consistent, you know, to do what we say we'll do, um, um, walk the talk and, uh, you know, you know, live by example, whether we're being watched or not. And for me, that's critical for growth in Africa. Yeah, I agree. I, especially since you have such, you have continental based initiatives now, right? In, international initiatives on the continent to, to have credibility not only among people in your own nation, but other nations, you clearly have to be credible and and have to, as you said, I love it, walk the talk and and gain and maintain that credibility to keep that momentum growing across the continent. Yeah, love that. We could probably spend the whole balance of the conversation just on this one segment, but we're going to keep driving. There's so much more to Azuka's story that we want to share and her, her, her point of view. So, Jenny, we're going to be talking about uh, Kimberly Clark next, right? Yeah, I, I was just going to just harp on the integrity bit as well, because I think that's one of the things that sort of drew me to Azuka's profile on, on LinkedIn. And we're, you know, we're LinkedIn people. We've never actually met in person. And it's been a relationship that's gone on now for, for quite a while. Um, and I think it's a testament to the fact that you can really get the true essence of somebody from from their LinkedIn posts if you if you take the time to read them. Um, and and this sort of resonated throughout what she was saying. And I I actually didn't really look at who who Azuka was working for. And then I realised that Kimberly Clark, which is actually a corporate partner of Sapex, is here in South Africa. So I I reached out to try to find some sort of common ground and learn a little bit more about the challenges, having been to Nigeria a couple of times in the last two years. Um, I, I wanted to understand the difference in the supply chain challenges that were being experienced 
there in Nigeria as opposed to what was happening in South Africa, knowing that the in the Kimberley-Clark scenario, South Africa and, and uh, Nigeria were working very closely together. Um, so then also saw tweets and posts and things about mentorship and um, and diversity and inclusion and all the rest of it and just knew that that we had to make that connection so you know you had some really interesting challenges to share and and I think that a lot of people would learn a lot from you over the last what you've experienced and learned yourself in the last year or so yeah quite quite sort of journey <laughs> quite a lot you know, Kimberly Clark in Nigeria, um, our focus is to, we're focused on expansion, right? So um, we're working the Made in Africa talk, Make Africa uh, for Africa and Buy Africa for Africa talk. So we've invested in, in a multi-million dollar ultra-modern facility um, going live uh, in the third quarter of this year. It's been very exciting. You know, we want to grow our presence in the Nigerian market and we want to be part of the country's dynamic um, um, growth. You know, Nigeria is a growing population and um, we'll make essentials for a better life. So we just want to make sure that uh, we get the essentials to a better life to the consumers and give them the best quality there is. So that's what we're focused on. We're passionate about Nigeria and the rest of Africa. So we're, our footprint is here to stay. It's, um, how do you put it? It's it's for it's for the long run with a seventy percent youthful population with a lot of dynamic um, consumption uh, trends and all of that. We're here for the long run. However, it's been tough, <laughs> you know. It's been tough uh, building a facility in the middle of um, the pandemic and all of that. It's tough doing business in Nigeria, um, but you have to be strong. You have to understand the your values to um, to succeed. So. Um, in Kimberly Clark, we're about authenticity, integrity, you know, caring and, and about bringing value. And so we, we, we will do business the right way. It might be tougher, it might be difficult, but our, our um, focus is to partner with the government to ensure that the right things are done um, and to grow with the growing economy. So, I mean, it, it's look at the infrastructural challenges for instance we had to bring a lot of things from different parts of the world uh, for our plants getting things out of the ports you know it, it takes quite a while the congestion issues the fact that um it's still not digi digitalized you know we, we are, we're we're halfway there so we have to carry a lot of documentation from table to table explaining a lot of things um showing our credibility Sometimes having to get um, um, uh, notes and letters from our parent company to uh, actually show that we're part of Kimberly Clark, we're doing the, the writing. But I, I think what is important is that we've been able to show that we're bringing value to the country. And we've been able to, um, uh, we're, we've been able to, and we're still making the right connections. And then we have consistently kept our quality, you know. So while we're manufacturing, and then when we stopped manufacturing, uh, because we're much manufacturing before now, we then stopped because we needed to build a modern facility. So we started bringing um, the goods in, and now we're going back to the manufacturing. We've consistently kept the quality, and that's really important because it's about trust, the consumer trusting you. And then we've, we've remained customer focused. What do the customers want? You know, so the products the customer wants is what we're bringing into the country. So we'll make the, um, the feminine products, the pads, the liners, We'll make the diapers. What do the consumer want? What does the consumer want? Our products are close to the heart of the consumer, so we must maintain that consistency. And then finally, we're in this part of the world where um, there's still a lot of misinformation about um, the flow for women. You know, 
you, if you look at the numbers, it's so amazing. A significant amount of young girls have not used uh, feminine care products for the first time. So we're an environment where we do not only have to um, be commercially um, interested in the environment, we must also be focused on the social impact part of it. So it's while we're making our products for commercial purposes, we're also ensuring that we sample and give it to those who uh, do not have it and uh, who have never used it and make it available for the less privileged. We're learning on the go. Uh, significant logistics issues, significant import and export challenges, you know, um, but it's also very huge opportunities. And I believe that if you can surmount the challenges, then the opportunities are even bigger. The bigger the uh, challenges, the bigger the opportunities. And we have to stay. We're totally focused. Love that. All right. So we're, I want to, I know you, you shared some of the challenges there. I, I want to get you to expound on a couple of those here in just a second. I want to share a couple of comments first, though, from uh, the, the, our community here. So Yogesh, I think I said that right. Please let me know if I didn't. Happiness is when you think what you say and what you do are in, harm, in harmony, as Mahatma Gandhi uh, stated. Uh, let's see here. Kavan clinged on to something you shared earlier, Azuka. Consistency in speech and action. Excellent point. And also, so Philip's got a question for you, Jenny. So what is your favorite South African food? Oh, I don't think we've ever oh, asked you that. No, never. Um, uh, Boboti, definitely. It's uh, it's it's definitely my favorite. So it's like a it's like a I don't know. It's a curried mince with an egg custard on top, and it's if made well, it's absolutely delicious. That sounds good. I'm sold. I am sold. <laughs> and let's see here. One other shout out here. Owilabi is tuned in from Apapa, uh, Lagos, also Nigeria, I believe. Uh, via LinkedIn. So great to see you. Thanks so much for joining. Well, and you know what? We're going to stick with Owilabi because he's got a great question that kind of touches on where we're headed with you next, Azuka. So how do you navigate through the infrastructural deficit in Nigeria to manage and deliver a seamless uh, supply chain management? So speak to that. How do you have all those challenges you laid out earlier in the, you know, the building out of this million uh, square foot facility? Uh, sounds like state of the art. To, to deliver on the trust that's associated with the brand that you're speaking to to maintain that quality and to just get all the stuff you need. What are some of the ways y'all, y'all, y'all navigate, you navigate, navigate through those challenges? Hmm. Great. Um, well, a really interesting question because that's, that's a, that's a way of life, right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, let me, let me specifically speak specifically to some examples. So say, say um, case in point, um, the pots, let's start with the pots. We find that, it takes a significant amount of time to get your goods out. So what do you do? Um, you then have to plan differently, you know, building your safety stock. So planning is critical. When we, when we make our plans, we, we then look at the external environments. The impact of the external environment is significant. It's always significant. So you must look at what are the lead times to clearing? Why does it take forever? Uh, why does it take forever to leave the ports? So that's one. Secondly, how are the roads? Um, a travel time of uh, 1,500 kilometers, which should take you um, two, three days. You take about seven days to get there. Again, it's planning. So you have to build that time into the customer um, um, service. So you, you have to ex- let the customers know. So they order, um, they, they build that in into their order pattern as well. So, you know, power. In building the plant, you must have planned that um, 
you have to use gas as an option, or rather, gas as a first choice and the power as a, as a backup. You know, manufacturing plants Nigeria we use more of, yes more of a gas and diesel as the first option, so that you have your stable process. You can't afford to, to break your manufacturing process. So electricity is not commonly available, Azuka. No. So um, in Nigeria today, one in ten households have access to electricity. Still, the Nigeria um, is still the country with the largest um, number of people without ele electricity in it uh, as of today. Uh, I'm referring to the um, last four sector recovery report. Um, I think it was published a few days ago. <laughs> I think you've got some some members of your supply chain leadership team with us here today. A support team. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love it. So, um, I mean, this report was published a few days ago, and there's still power issues. And what are the issues with power? Still the distribution service. So one in 10 um, homes do not have access to power. Okay, so you guys can go on, right? Hey, folks, you, you, get, you get full transparency here. We're all dealing so get with this. The girls are really well behaved. <laughs> That's right. It's always, yeah. it's always the, 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 it's the boys. Yeah, the boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Mom, you, where's so, the soccer ball? <laughs> the point, uh, and and uh, Jenny, in our in our conversations and events and streams, you know, we've seen you know the impact of of some of the the power infrastructure, right? Uh, and and Azuka, you just mentioned if I heard that stat right, one in ten homes have no access to. Is that right? Have access? Oh, have. Yeah. Oh gosh. Wow. So please continue. You were kind of talking about how, how you are fighting through some of these challenges. So, so you know what? If, if the uh, distribution company um, generates 10 naira, so 10 naira is Nigerian currency, what of electricity? Um, 2 naira, 40 kubo of that does not get, um, so it's lost, does not get to the homes. It's lost through distribution infrastructure or power theft. Another 3 naira, 60 kubo is not built for because um, there's no clarity in the bills. The, um, the, the the customers who are metered do not pay. So it's basically customer service issues for the distribution part of it, right? So um, for the 3% still do not have access to power. So the 57% who have access, there's still issues in the supply chain, you know, getting power to the homes. So, and I think that's one of the major infrastructures because uh, infrastructure issues, because we know power is, um, I think that's um, energy, Energy is SDG 7, tied to a whole lot of the other SDGs. So um, development is, will still be a struggle until we get power right. So companies in, uh, in this part of the world have to generate their own power. A whole lot of times also provide water. Um, then the roads to, um, I mean, the roads, if you, look at, if you look at some of the areas, you have to actually grade your own roads uh, to get there. But it's a developing nation and... Um, we see improvements year on year, year on year. And the fact that companies like ours are willing to come in and invest just shows you that the, the future is brighter. So I think it's basically about planning, building in the, the plants, building in the challenges into your operations. And um, so you must understand the external environment, understand where you're working, you know, get to know what is going on around you. You can't operate just from within. And... Um, and uh, encourage your team to know what is happening outside. So the policies, what the government is doing, what the benchmark, what competition is doing, and then put your plans in place. 
You know, it, it always, regardless of what issue it is, it always comes back to planning. It is such a timeless, timeless uh, uh, challenge and best practice. But hey, I want to share a couple things, Azuka, from our comments. Going back to the food discussion, Sharky says, hey, it is time to start cooking. Excellent point there. Um, <laughs> hey, Nurhadi is with us. Nurhadi from Indonesia, who hosts uh, Bakara Supply Chain, a great podcast. Thanks for joining us, Nurhadi. Um, T-Squared has a question here. So how about solar? Where does solar factor in? What have y'all seen? And, and, and Jenny, we'd love for you, both of y'all to weigh in here. But we'll start with Azuka. How, how have you seen solar effectively applied and get ramped up? If I look at um, the what I see around, really, there's a lot of opportunity with solar. Um, I see some companies, you know, already using it as an alternative. And that makes sense, right? Because you can't continue powering um, round the clock. Um, the cost of diesel, the cost of gas. So what I see some companies do as of now is run um, um, pr producing, run on diesel or gas, and outside of that, run their operations on solar um, um, for the rest of the time because their staff are on site, other things are, are happening. So like a backup or a support mechanism. And that's quite effective so far. I think that um, I also see a couple of um, opportunities in terms of Ensuring that solar um, gets to um, the rural, rural areas, places that don't have electricity as of now. And what that means is that we, uh, they then have access to um, information. You know, they have power, they have access to information and the rest of that. And, you know, that, draws, that enables development to come nearer to them. So for us, there's a lot of opportunities around solar here, what I've seen so far. Excellent. And then, uh, Jenny, really quick, uh, before... Uh, Greg takes baton, and, and we're going to drive to some other other topics. How would you? Uh, what any comments from a power infrastructure, solar, you name it? <laughs> you know, it's very close to my heart. Um, having this time last month not been able to join you purely for that reason, um, and I, uh, you know, solar is a is a it is. It's got to be the way to go, especially in a country like ours and and Nigeria, where we have so much sunshine. Um, I think the infrastructure is still relatively expensive. Um, and we've also got a big problem here with the theft of, 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 of the pieces that make the solar panels go together because they're worth a lot of money. Um, and, and, you know, some people, they need the money more than they need the electricity. So there's a big education element to, to be done as well. But, um, but countries like Kenya are really nailing it as far as solar is concerned. And I know that in South Africa, we've got some amazing projects on the go. So it's, it's just a matter of time, I think. Wonderful. And, and as we talked about with Kevin L. Jackson, uh, I think it was last week, Greg, there's some neat policy agreements, alliances being created continent-wide that hopefully beyond the trade that it will it will um, spur, hopefully the sharing of those, those, those uh, best practices, technologies, and information will, will um, you know, rise and tide lifts all ships, hopefully. So, um, but Greg. Eritrea. Eritrea yes. was the country. Right. That was That's the country. Eritrea, uh, Eritrea we've got to have That's how you say it. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> I have one of those eureka moments every day, Greg. Uh, but what, what, what do we uh, you know, give you a chance to comment on what you're hearing here and then uh, take us into inclusivity? Yeah, well, I, I think we have to, especially those of us in highly developed countries, have to recognize that the problems that Azuka is talking about are from between 100 and 130 years ago in the States and in Europe, right? I mean, feminine products were commercially available in 1888. And, and 
and electricity, the availability of electricity, of course, roughly around the same time was at about one, one household in 10. So, so I think we have to understand a couple of things. One, that is an enormous a challenge to get over the dirt roads and the paving your own roads that Azuka is talking about also back in that time frame. Think about that. None of us who are on, probably even watching this were born then. Some of us, our grandparents were not born then and even great grandparents. So it would that they are coming from a, a position that most of us can't even relate to because we've never even remotely experienced. And I think we have to acknowledge two things. One, that is a huge hurdle, right? And we overcame, we didn't overcome it at all. Our great, great grandparents overcame it. Mm. And, and two, Africa is addressing some of these issues at a pace unseen anywhere in the world ever before, yeah. right? And, and in a way, we talk about this frequently, in a way, things like the presence of 80% of the people on the continent being unbanked, they skip the whole old-fashioned banking process that we have in the States, and people pay with their cell phones for so many things. And they'll do similar things, just like what Kimberly Clark is doing in Nigeria. They'll do similar things at a similar pace, and they'll skip all those incremental changes and leap forward, probably in some cases, ahead of developed countries. Greg, I, one more comment. You're talking about historical terms, 1888. I think I just got a little factoid in my ear. That was the last time that the now Las Vegas Raiders had won a Super Bowl, I believe. So I thought, <laughs> I thought you want to get that dig in. Un unfortunately not, but uh, they won't win one for a long time now, I can tell you that. <laughs> All uh, right. But, but I, I think you know things like feminine products and, and the basics of water and things like that, that talks a lot about general inclusivity and the ability to be inclusive. But but Azuka, one of your uh, pet projects kind of uh, points of points of of core value is really around gender inclusion and that sort of thing. So tell us a little bit about some of the issues or problems that you see there today and maybe a little bit about how you advocate or are actually attacking some of those issues. Inclusivity is still a big one. Um, I think that the, in having conversations with people, um, young ladies, older ladies, you know, um, who I tend to get along with, you know, a lot because they, uh, people say I'm a, I act older than my age, you know, <laughs> I tend to take on the problems. What I see is as much as we are advanced and enlightened and with the technological advancements that we see, there's still a lot of issues around culture, the job women can do. Can women be out at night? Can women wear boots? I remember when I started working um, in um, Cadbury then, um, I had to go to the north, the northern part of Nigeria. And I, I would always wear the, the jeans and the T-shirt. We had all the branded T-shirts. And somebody said to me, but you can't wear the uh, jeans into the markets here. But I didn't know any other way. You know, I, I didn't know what else to wear. But, you know, I went into those markets and I was well accommodated, you know. I didn't have any issues. Nobody uh, gave me any um, problems. So I see that because of the cultural issues, there's still a a lot of that holding women down and um, not allowing them to advance. So that's one area. But majorly, there's also a lot of the issues around self-confidence, lack of awareness, um, the inability to self-motivate, mm. the lack of knowledge around what to do. You know, the old boys club, you know, men get to hang around. Um, we have a lot of school activities. So men have all their old boys clubs and all, all of that. 
in those kind of conversations, they have very good conversations about, oh, the next steps, where they're going, what, what they're driving, you know, and they challenge and push each other. But the women, we tend to be laid back. So we, we don't have a lot of those conversations, you know. And so you see that when um, young people are going into an organization, especially in supply chain and the male-dominated roles, it's about 50-50 uh, men and women who are getting into the roles. Sometimes the women are even more. But by the time it gets to the C-suit, it becomes about 10% as it is for supply chain and some other, um, some other areas, you know, and our functions. And the question is, what happened along the line? It's not childbirth alone. It's the fact that there's an opportunity for um, intentional mentoring of women, you know, hand-holding. Hey, what are you doing there? Look up, you know. Um, guiding women on what are the courses to do? What is the knowledge to acquire? Uh, what should you do differently? Um, what, you know, what, how do you develop yourself? What are the opportunities to go and ask for? You know, pull a seat and sit on the table if nobody's giving you the chair. So, and I'll give you my personal experience. A lot of times I was the only woman in the room. I remember in Cadbury in sales, I was the first two men on the field. I went into supply chain, very few women. And then of course, we wear the boots, wear the hard hats or, and the safety jackets. And you know, we, we used to look, we're really few. But I look around in the room and I made valuable contributions. I remember we used to have a time when uh, we'll be in the boardroom, I'll be the only lady. I think with the finance director at that time and every other person will be guys. <laughs> and you know, they'll ask questions around manufacturing and supply chain and I'll give my updates. And everybody be like, oh, yes, 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 that's true. Yes, thank you, Azuka. But I know that if there are other women in their room, the contributions they will make will also bring value to the table. And when I look at the rooms, I ask myself, why are there no other ladies here? I think that the barriers are first in internal, and we need to um, um, handhold and pull up so that the ladies can overcome those internal barriers first. Because the barriers that are external, are they're there, but they can be overcome as well. So um. Um, what I did when I was, um, uh, you know, in the course of my career was to start having conversations with ladies. And, and I just asked the right question. So what's your plan? What next? And they will go blank on me. But if you ask a guy, what next? Oh, he's going to tell you, oh, he's doing his MBA in two years. Oh, he's, he's going to, uh, he wants to go to that role in two years. Why are men more audacious? Why are we less audacious? And I start telling the ladies, hey, you have to know what you want. You have to be audacious. You have to go for it. So that's what pushed me into, um, you know, advocating for women. And, um, and for me, it's really about, I'm not asking for a seat at the table. I'm not asking. I'm saying to women, you earn a seat at the table, develop yourself, bring value to the table, and you will get a seat at the table. And it's happening every time. Before COVID, um, I, I um, run a foundation called Trust Empowerment Foundation. Before COVID, we got women to start driving. We see that male drivers, and very comfortably, you know, um, better than um, housekeepers. But women are predominantly housekeepers. So I said, hey, go and drive commercially, go and drive school buses. To be honest, with regards to temperament, women should drive school buses more. You know, so we got, we trained the, the women, we, we connected with an Uber for trucks um, company, and they agreed to train the women and allow the women to drive their trucks. The first day one of the women drove to our papa ports. The custom guys said, what are you doing in the truck? I said, I'm driving the truck. <laughs> they said, come down. She came down. She jumped down. And they're like, you're really small. I thought you were so big. I said, yes, but I can drive the trucks. It was so amusing, but they allowed her, you know, go through. And she said to me, she said, the confidence of driving that truck, I realized I could do anything. 
So during COVID, she was able to um, take care of her family because she was she, she challenged herself to do whatever she could. We're also running a lot of things in the supply chain space. It's amazing that the very low conversations in supply chain. It's amazing the fact that we have much more men than women. It's amazing the fact that the men rise easily in the supply chain space, while women will sit in our spaces. So I've said to the women, you know what? And I, I spoke to my team, I said, supply chain is not just about logistics and warehousing, it's end to end. Getting the goods and the services to the consumer. So from the demand generation to meeting the demand fulfillment. So I said, you know what, let's get ladies together. Let's start talking supply chain. So we're doing um, some sort of simulated MBA program, trying to make challenge women to really, um, to really uh, think, um, solve business problems, challenge them to um, go for it, you know, both business women and professional people, entrepreneurs and professionals, younger graduates, um, entry level and uh, mid level business professionals to you know solve business problems put their head down you know deep thinking is necessary simply you can solve problems you know and challenge them to say this is what you need to do and in the course of it um we we'll also uh, make sure that uh, there will be some sort of psychometric assessment so the way they will get individual development um um assessments so they know what are the areas to build. Is it financial? Is it planning? You know, where, where, are, where are the opportunities? What, what do you need to develop? We believe that when we do this, the women will be confident to um, focus on um, their careers or their businesses and really strive to get to the top. And we're doing this in conjunction with um, um, professionals and entrepreneurs so that we can add value to women. We need to build confidence. We need to give women the confidence to grow. Uh, that is quite the dissertation. I'm glad we got that on video because that it's, it's really powerful stuff. Um, and I, I think it, it makes me think that um, what you're doing now to women who have not been imprinted with natural naturally with the expectation that they can do anything is is a great service. And one thing that I've seen, I have three daughters. So uh, just one thing that we've done kind of naturally, I'd love to say I was a great intentional parent, but we never said things like, you can do anything a man can do. We just always said, you can do anything, right? Why make men the standard? Because I can see, I saw your little boys running around in, in the house while your daughters are performing very admirably. So I'm not sure men should be the standard. And, I, <laughs> and, and like you say, um, there is so much we can do to lift up and to elevate women and even just to create that expectation in their mind. I think that starts really young, probably around the breakfast table, right? So, but I'm curious because you mentioned the old boys club, by the way, that's not the easiest thing even for old white men to break into. It, it is a very exclusive club. It is. Um, and so I'm curious if you think about the people who are in the, the old boys club or the leaders, uh, you know, in in the markets and the countries that you've worked in, what are some of the things that you think they could or should uh, or, or even are doing to help really move the needle in terms of inclusiveness for women? Mm, interesting. Um, I think that the focus should be being intentional. Um, you said something, right? You have three daughters. Um, you've never said you've never set a benchmark. It's go all the way. I think that in Building our society, we should ensure diversity from the start. Because the truth is, people bring a lot to the table. 
ensure that diversity is the, the, the focus, you know, to, to get the best out of the table, ensure diversity. So that's that we should be intentional about. The other thing I jokingly say is um, women have a certain um, element of um, care and ability to multitask and ability to solve problems and, you know, tie it all together. That the moment you come to a room and you don't have women adding value at every level, you should ask yourself, have I done the right thing? Right. Am I Are we even equipped yeah, to do I'm, everything we need to, right? Exactly. Yeah. Are we equipped? Because then you're asking yourself that men have their strengths, but women have their strengths as well. So you should have everything in the room because that's when you, you know that you, you, you are equipped, you know? The best decisions will come out of the room. And that's vital, you know, because we must be forward thinking. We must stop making excuses. We must, um, we must bring our best selves to the table. And our best selves are a very diverse Green. self, you know, a very pleasant thing, yeah. Azuka, uh, we're getting encore requests from the comments already, uh, as Greg called it, the dissertation that we all should, we all should hear. And, and it looks like Murphy's Law is going to intervene a little bit, and that's okay. We're going to work hard to get Azuka back on with this. Uh, while we wait there, I'm going to share a couple of these comments. Gosh. Um, and then we reshare this one from Felicia. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. So for our listeners that may be listening to this on replay, Felicia Presbola with RLA, our friends over there, uh, says, my six-year-old daughter wants to be a mom, teacher, police officer, and a cowboy. I tell her, absolutely, she can do it all. I love that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, let's see here. I'm going to go back to something Peter shared. He said, I love Peter says, I love talking with my grandmother born in 1896. She saw so many firsts and modern conveniences. We can learn so much from our elders if we take the time to ask them for their stories. Excellent. You know, I recorded some some World War II conversations with both my grandparents, and I cannot find those VCR tapes. Uh, but mm. we'll, we'll double down and try to, try to find it. Um, but I agree with you, Peter, completely. Um, uh, help me with this first name, uh, Azuka and Jenny. How would you pronounce that? Nene. Nene. Okay, thank you very much, Azuka. Nene says intentional mentoring, very critical. So spot yep. on, Azuka. Excellent point. She also Nene also says lift as you rise initiatives amongst women, earn a seat at the table, which are some of the elements that Azuka was sharing a little earlier ago. Uh, Foyensola, I get that right, Foyensola. And if I didn't, let me know. Um, says via LinkedIn, Azuka. Well said, loads of challenging and hand-holding needs to happen for women to learn that it's about contribution, not gender alone. Excellent Not point. gender at all. Yes. Actually, right? Even better. Yeah. Uh, Lydia agrees women need actionable guidance. Uh, Kahinda says the Trust Foundation, I think that was the organization you mentioned earlier, Azuka. Is that right? The Trust, maybe? Yeah. Um, okay. Yes, it is. Excellent. Peter says, word, Greg White. He agrees with what you were saying earlier about uh, your intentional uh, parenthood. And Clay makes a great comics because we're very appreciative. Uh, we're appreciative of Azuka and Jenny sharing their POV, but also all the comments and, and the different um, insights that folks are sharing there. We really appreciate that. We do need Azuka on regularly, as Clay shares. <laughs> um, and then finally, AA, Mr. Mohib says, one of my young graduates is heavily awarded uh, is a heavily awarded supply chain manager. We follow and promote her as supply chain leader without any artificial added gender suffix. Okay. Not a boy, Mohib. Yeah. On that note, I want, I want to uh, pose this 
to both you, uh, both of y'all, Azuka and Jenny, as we start to wrap here. Anissa Muthana, who came on, she is a um, CEO of a manufacturing company, had a great one-on-one interview with her not too long ago. And she was sharing via social yesterday that while she, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh, but while she was talking about there's been a, a need for a long time to call out you know, female manufacturing leader or female supply chain leader, she's, she was stating that kind of the, the time for really calling that out has has essentially kind of passed. And and, and now that uh, in her take, again, paraphrasing, you know, she doesn't want to be known as a, wom- a woman manufacturing leader. She wants to be known as a manufacturing leader. So Jenny, if you and Azuka can both, and Jenny, we'll start with you. If you can just address that really quick as we start to wrap here, um, the, the live stream. Yeah, I'm going to say something that, that struck me this morning. I wake up to pictures on social media of everyone applauding the fact that we had um, – uh, we had the the picture of the president of the United States with two women sitting behind him right. and how amazing and wonderful this is. And yeah, I agree. It is wonderful, but it is 2021 and we shouldn't even be. Right. It should just be a matter of course. That. Yeah. So, so that for me was, that really resonated this morning and going back to your point, I think I raised really, really early on, I think it was Claire Bloom or it might've been Carol Patak who once said to me, I never set out to be the best woman supply chain, anything I set out to be the best. And that was back in the seven, early seventies. So there have been women thinking that way and we need to, to, to catch onto their coattails and learn from them. Love that Jenny. Uh, Really quick, uh, I want to say hello to David. I don't think we said hello to him early. He's he's part of all of our live streams. We love his take and his sense of humor. So, and he agrees. He loves what Mohib uh, shared a moment ago. So, I hope you hope this finds you well, David. Hey, all right. So, Azuka, if you'd comment, same 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 um, question to you. Is is has the time kind of come, and are we past calling out woman leader anything? Totally agree with Jenny. Um, look at it from the from the lens of the women in manufacturing, supply chain, engineering. I, I work with a team of very strong women. My impact manager is a woman. The impact manager is for Kimberly Clark and is a woman. The customer service and logistics manager is a woman. They don't see themselves as about gender. It's about their performance. So I think even putting the gender there is um, it's unfair to their performance because these are ladies who do the long hours the hard lifting. Um, I keep telling them now, guys, I am because of you. And when I say, Azuka, I say, I don't have an excuse to be tired because you guys keep going, you know, and they keep going in the team, side by side, the guys. And that's why we have a strong team. We have a manufacturing hire, a lady in our, in our mill and nobody, she's not asking for shorter time. So I think the time is way past because we must understand that we're doing a service, the, the service, to the ladies when we start qualifying their agenda instead of their contribution. All right. Well said. Very well said. And I hate to wrap the conversation. We could we could go on for a couple hours listening to Jenny and, and Azuka and all the comments. So, But we'll, well, we can always have you back. And we love a repeat guest. Azuka, you've really uh, 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 wowed us here and, and folks in the comments we can i could i could spend the next hour probably just reading some of the hallelujah and high fives we're getting there but it's always a pleasure um let's before we let both of y'all go uh jenny i want to really touch on say picks uh some of the cool things you are doing there give us a really quick update um you know with where folks can can engage and, and plug into the say community 
yeah, lots going on. Most importantly, I think that this is probably one of the highlights of our calendar. And we are incredibly grateful to you guys for this platform and to guests like Azuka who are prepared to trust me. Um, and, and you guys never, never let me down. So I'm really grateful for that. And just follow our website, sapix.org.za, or you can drop the ZA awesome. and, and find out what we're doing. I'm also on LinkedIn and all that stuff. And she's, and Jenny's a great Twitter follow. Uh, be sure great to follow, follow Jenny there. We a respectful should. Twitter person. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, and be look be on the lookout for the big annual event, which will be in September. Is that right, Jenny? August. August, August 24 to 26. Yep. Okay. I know it's most of your summer holidays, but it's a good excuse not to be on holiday. Take a holiday virtually in South Africa. Oh, there we go. Love that. God, I okay. hope we can do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. We dream. Well, we hope. We have, uh, well, you know, the South Carolina state motto is while I breathe, I hope doom Sparrow Sparrow. Uh, and if that's not yeah. a way to live through, uh, these times right now, I'm not sure what is. Absolutely. So, um, very thankful to you both. We've been talking with Jenny Froome, uh, COO of SAPIX, our, our partner here on the, uh, Afri- African supply chain leadership series. Uh, really appreciate your time, what y'all do. And we've also been talking star of the show, uh, Azuka Ego. <laughs> Chuku Alui A. I got I came close. I'll Chuku try it now. I, yes. What's that, Greg? Chuku Ale. Thank you. Gosh. Um, but regardless, Azuka, I tell you, um, it's a it's an honor to be with you and learn from you here today and and really appreciate your time as busy as you are. And we yeah. look forward to reconnecting with you, Azuka, and Jenny again really soon. Thanks, everybody. Tell the kids Thanks. we said hi. Yes, please. <laughs> They're international. I will. All right, man. What a great dissertation's right. You know, dissertation. Um, that you know, segment is a show in and of, of itself, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Yeah, that was powerful stuff. I know we're a minute or two over, but I've got to share some of these comments because as much as you and I enjoyed it, uh, a lot of other folks did. Um, yeah, and I know I couldn't really. get everybody. Um, but, uh, let's see here. We'll start with uh, Sylvia's with us here today. Sylvia, hope this finds you well. Um, great. And I'm sorry again, Sylvia. Yeah. Leave it or hanging, visiting the Holy city there. I'm sorry. Gregory. So <laughs> um, sorry. Mohi points out that outstanding supply chain leader, uh, Osme Octir, Octir, regardless. Uh, so check out Osme. Yeah. Uh, and I bet she might be on LinkedIn, but uh, Mohi, I appreciate, I love your approach to recognition and, and, um, and how you do it. So great to have you here today, Mohib. Uh, Awalabi says, spot on Greg, men should not be the standard for women. Otherwise, we are limiting how much women can do. Anyone, regardless of gender, is capable of achieving any goal, no matter how audacious. Well said. That I agree. Like statesman. I love that. Uh, Kavan says, it's about the performance, not the gender. Excellent point there. Uh, miracle, perhaps. Uh, there is strength in diversity. It's vital. Excellent point. So many others. Uh, excellent point. Sylvia, I, I was hoping I, I pronounced that state motto right. Uh, I didn't study Latin. Uh, so <laughs> no one asked me, no one ever asked me to speak Latin. So, but uh, I love where I grew up. Um, anyway, so Greg, I want to come back to you. My favorite thing here today is so much. There's so much Azuka and Jenny shared, but going way back to what feels like three days ago. Bring, va- bring value to the table, and you'll always be welcome. That is a universal truth to live Amen. by every day. No Greg, doubt. What, what was your what was one of your favorite things that that was said here today? I think the I think the uh, this is going to sound weird, but Azuka said, 
men are so audacious. And I think that is the key, right? So you know that my motto is acknowledge reality, but refuse to be bound by it. Uh, reality is simply that which your limited mind can comprehend in the moment, right? Real it used to be a reality that the earth was flat, right? It used to be a reality that the, that the stars orbited the, orbited the earth because that's all we could conceive in that moment. But in fact, that wasn't true. So if you just think of reality as all you can conceive in the moment and you just refuse to be bound by that, then you can do anything. And I think that is a key that a, a key trait that all people should have, as Olawabi said, you know, to, we should think of the group of people as a group of people, not a group of men and women, right? Not, not leaders and women leaders, but a group of leaders. And, and when we have that presumption, and it is a presumption, and we, of, of equality and of equal ability and equal opportunity, and when we impart that presumption of equality, equal ability, and equal opportunity on every person, regardless of why, then things will be that much better. And people will achieve more because they believe that they can. Mm. And to me, it is 100% about believing whether you can. Mm. I ain't the smartest guy in the room, but I believe that nothing can stop me, right? Until I'm proved wrong. And I've been proved wrong many times. Um, but until I'm proved wrong, I, you know, I just believe, as you said, while I breathe, I hope. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's right. I almost always get it backwards. I always hope to be breathing. You know? <laughs> but yeah, while I breathe, I hope. Um, optimism uh, in a state motto. Okay. Great show today. Big thanks to our friends, Azuka and Jenny, for joining us. Thanks to all the great comments. I'm going to have to go back through and read read some of these uh, call outs, some of these additional insights. Greg, excellent summary on the, on, on the tail end here. I couldn't have said it better. Folks, be sure to check us. Henry Ford said, Amanda says, whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. And, and she believes that's from Henry Ford. I like that. I like that. Uh, you can, if you like conversations like this, be sure to check us out at supplychainnow.com, webinars, events, uh, lots more podcasts and live streams with wonderful partners, wonderful people like Azuka and Jenny. So on that note, folks, Wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for joining in. Greg, pleasure to do these. Our, our team's been texting me and you know, they're just eating up with a, uh, a fork and a knife what's been said here today because they've really enjoyed it, as have we. Uh, wonderful journey to be on. But hey, most importantly, you know, do what Azuka says. Do what Jenny shared. You know, it's, it's time to act. No words. Do good. Give forward. Be the change. Be the Azuka in someone else's journey. Think of that. So on that note, we'll see you next time here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. <laughs>